Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of August, 2010. I always start off the show by suggesting to newcomers, and there's always lots coming in all the time, to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and make use of all the free audios you have for download. And I try on that site to cover the big picture, the the many facets that go into this big directed change, the center of change in the new world order that we're supposed to all get crammed through. And remember, too, that all the other sites that are listed on that front page bookmark them for future use because sometimes the com gets overloaded or goes down. And remember, too, I'm the only host out there who doesn't make his money off advertising. And I depend upon you, the audience, to support me by buying the books and give me donations to keep me on the air. It's a silly way to go. I've watched folk in the past do it over the many, many years, and they always go down because people are not so generous as they'd like to make out, yet they wonder why their country is going to the dogs. So remember, as I say, uh, I'm not backed by any advertisers. You're listening to a lot of shows out there where they bring on really advertisers who will sell you something after entertaining you for an hour on some particular crisis or another. That's really how it works. The ads you hear on this show are paid by advertisers directly to RBN to broadcast the station and to, or the show and to pay for the staff and equipment and so on and their bills. There's always lots of bills coming in and it's expensive to broadcast these shows. So help me out with mine and you can purchase those articles. Remember from the States to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can use an international postal money order. Use PayPal to donate or to purchase. Uh, if you want to purchase, send the donation and then a separate email with your name, address, and your order on it, and I'll get it out to you. And it's the same across the rest of the world, but the addition of Western Union, if you've got lots of cash because you're a hefty fee on top of it, or MoneyGram, which is a bit cheaper, or just send cash. That's all up to you. And the books I write are different from everybody else's books. I don't just give you facts and history dates and generals and who won battles and all that stuff. That's all over the place. You can pick that up in any library or garbage bin for free these days. Uh, and because history's gone down the tube. But uh, I give you the other version of history, of the real nitty-gritty and how the mind is controlled. That's all you have to do in the world is to control the minds of millions of people and rule them. And every country's learned to do that over an awful long time. We're far older than we're told in the history books. And as I say, those donations and so on will help me hopefully trickle over. This place here doesn't have the staff. It doesn't have people fixing computers. I do that myself. I'm at it all day long, like today I was when the modem went down. And uh, this is a full time. It's not even an occupation. If I want an occupation, I'd do something sensible. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it's deadly, I can tell you that much. It would kill you if you try to do it yourself. And if you're a genuine person, too, at, that, at the same time. But um, it's up to you to support me and keep it going, because it's, it's a novel idea, depending upon the audience, to purchase your items and donate to you and help you keep ticking along, because it's an awful lot of work, way more than you'd ever, ever imagine. Now, I don't push any particular parties, left wing, right wing. I always say the two wings belong to the same bird. And you always find there's a shield in front of the body. That's where the real masters happen to be. It's not meant that you see who really runs the world. You will see some of their hirelings who will come forward to the public. But remember, in the big occultic societies, they never allow the top dog to come forward to the public. Um, It's always the ones down below who do the work. If you're a worker, you're not the top dog. 
back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And apparently someone's been waiting on the phone for a while. Uh, Alex from Chicago, are you there, Alex? Thank you for taking my call, uh, Alan White. Are you there? Yes. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, first of all, I would like to say that uh, I received your books in the mail and uh, I would highly recommend everyone to purchase them uh, because they give you a completely different dimensional uh, uh, look on the world. And uh, if you listen to Alan Watt every day, I think it's still uh, necessary to buy them, to, to buy your books. Yes. And, uh, Alan Watt, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, you're a bit faint, but I can hear you, yeah. Go ahead. Is that better? Yeah, that's a bit better. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alan Watt, I've been reading many uh, foreign affairs uh, periodicals and uh, Masonic literature, and I find that uh, the only true sources of information are that the CFR and uh, Masonic literature uh, themselves, such as Manly P. Hall and Albert Pike. Yeah. I mean, uh, am I on the right track to say that uh, these are only reliable sources of information nowadays? Yeah, pretty well. For the general public, that's uh, that you can at least purchase the information from their magazines. You're right. So that's pretty well the only information the public's given. Everything else today, you'll notice, is post-democratic. You simply get decrees, like royal decrees, from the top to the people, and that's that. There's no explanation given, no in-depth um, uh, reasons for anything, uh, or, or else you get a cover reason. It's the it's a war on terror. That's good enough. That covers everything. But so the Council on Foreign Relations have been giving us the the plan that's been worked out by their betters because they're, on a, they're lackeys at the bottom. I've got their books. Uh, they're actually their books that they print for their members going back to the 1920s and 30s. And they outlined the whole agenda back then, their world meetings. And before World War II, they said they would have, um, they would have to, they said there was a coming war with Germany uh, four years before it happened. They said they'd have to defend the, the uh, Russia by all by all means possible. Why they would do that if that was their arch enemy, you can only guess at. And they also mentioned too, it would be very uh, fortuitous if the U.S. came in in this war on the side of Britain and the Allies. Um, perhaps uh, uh, they'd come in if Japan happened to attack America. Uh, this is this is back in '38. Or 1937 it was published in 38 uh, at their world meeting. It was all the members who attended. It even had all the, the American members who attended, uh, the British members, Australian, New Zealanders, and at the title at that time was was Britain and the future of the empire. That's the t- one, one of the many names they went under. But you open the page and it's published by the Rockefeller Foundation. And it's the members uh, for the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations. So they literally had it all planned out. And then they had a lot of planning, too, for post-World War II. They had it all planned out, right down to the immigration quarters uh, from China to the western coast of Canada, uh, who would be the middlemen, the middle class, to, to do with the new trade with China. Now, China at that time was a third world nation that had no factories and so on. So they had it all planned out, and we're just living through their through their grand scheme of things, so you're quite right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also their uh, recommended uh, books are also very insightful. For example, uh, Evgeny Primakov written a book about uh, terrorism, uh, three years after 9-11, and he talks about how um, Al-Qaeda was created by CIA and uh, also that Hamas was created by Israeli secret agent, agency Mossad. Mm-hmm. And uh, he talks about how there is a constant aroma of oil surrounding the regions of Middle East and surrounding Russia, uh, like North Caucasus and so forth. So, and, and also, I have a, 
foreign affairs periodicals from 80s, and they have on their recommended list uh, the, the crime and punishment of I.G. Farben yeah. by uh, Joseph Borkin and um, uh, James Billington, Fire in the Minds of Men. So uh, th this is a wealth of information. I mean, any reasonable person would uh, read foreign affairs and just about and forget about time and newsweek and so forth. Yes, uh, it's astonishing when you realize there's another another reality above uh, what we think of as politics. Uh, although some people eventually suspect it, hopefully as they get older and start to realize that the guy in charge is not in charge of anything. Um, there's another level, I say, who run the world. They have a definite plan. They have published most of their plan over the years. And right down to depopulating the world to a manageable level for themselves, and having a big playground for the fittest to survive and their offspring to carry on into the future. And um, it's true enough, it, with so much subterfuge going on with all the different uh, agencies, personally I think the Mossad, uh, the CIA, and uh, MI6 are all one organization now at the high levels of them. Uh, they've been that way since World War II. Uh, there's no doubt about it that, that uh, two of them came out of the OSS. That's a fact. It's also a fact, as you'll see at Chatham House, which was the headquarters for the OSS. Chatham House is also the headquarters for the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Uh, so there's a strange coincidence right there. In fact, they, they said the reason that they made that into the headquarters of the British intelligence and American intelligence for World War II was that that's where all the spies already came out of from the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They were the spy organization back then. So it's the, they joined eventually with the Mossad, and they have instigated wars across the planet. Uh, and typically of Britain, the, they've always funded so many different sides, it's hard to find out who's the bad guy, because they, they end up coming in at the end and taking over to restore what they call order. There's a very good movie. It was done with this technique. Uh, it was called Burn. B-U-R-N, with Marlon Brando, of how they were doing the same thing in the 1700s, getting countries to fight each other, getting natives to, to, have a, to rise up and overthrow uh, governments, and then Britain would come in and take over as the new government. This was standard technique. That's how they got India together into one big nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how it is. When, yeah. I, when I listen to uh, CFR briefings, uh, for example, when Zbigniew Brzezinski speak or the panel of experts discuss some kind of subject, uh, I notice that from the question and answer sessions and so forth, that uh, these experts themselves, they are uh, located under, under some kind of spell, mm -hmm. uh, a different spell from the public, I understand, nevertheless a spell. Uh, they, yes. they, uh, they mention the same words, they use the same terminology, and they, their reasoning is almost identical going from one expert to another. And it seems like whoever is on top of the CFR and RIIA, Royal Institute of International Affairs, it seems mm -hmm. like there is higher uh, order of uh, mastership, I guess, and they keep these CFR experts under some kind of different spell. What they have... What they have is an inner circle, and that was explained in Carol Quigley's book. He was a historian for the CFR, and he said they have an inner circle and an outer circle. Whenever they publish something for the general populace to read, or even now they give you certain videos to watch, uh, they're talking at a different, different level of propaganda for the general public. Um, that's what, you're, what they're really doing when you see them stopping and thinking as to how to phrase it, knowing that they're talking to, uh, to the general public. It'll eventually it'll get there. In the inner circle, they're unimpeded. Uh, they go over to All Souls College in, in uh, Oxford. That's where the highest members belong. They go in there and they, and they actually hammer out the, the world, the direction of the world with their highest members, uh, all part of that All Souls College. And there they talk frankly to themselves, and they send people all over the world into top positions in every country. Uh, they've been doing that for an awful long time. Yeah. And it actually coincides with the book by Manly Behold, 
it's called Lectures on the Ancient Philosophy. When I was reading it, there was a chapter uh, discussing basically an inner and outer brotherhood. Yes. How basically 90% of uh, Masons themselves, they are in outer brotherhood, and they have no idea about the true reality and the true things uh, of the dealings of the Masonic organization. Yeah, Albert Pike said the same thing. He said the vast majority of Freemasons are the outer portico. He even said that they don't even have to understand what the real symbology of masonry is. It's only important that they think they understand what it is. So they're used as a shield to an extent for the public, but all of them can be used to work even in their local area towards the great work, even if they don't really understand it, because they're all well rewarded. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah charity. Yes, charities. Uh, although, mind you, if you look at, at the uh, Masonic chip, it's called, uh, the Freemasons, for instance, this charitable organization, are pushing for every child to be ID'd with the Masonic chip. So it's rather strange kinds of charities they go into. Well, they are, but they have so many hospitals, especially Shriners. They have hospitals for children with burns. But I see that when I, when I go on websites for my local Masonic lodges in my area, I notice that all of them are promoting very cheap uh, yeah. big time. Yeah, and that's the beauty of having a brotherhood who simply do what they're told from a superior. They must do that. If you're given an order, you must uh, do what you're told, uh, push whatever you're told to push, uh, even if you don't understand it, and uh, push your own moral reservations to the side. That's what they say. That's one part of their, their uh, belief system. But uh, thanks for calling. I'll be back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back, and we're cutting through the matrix. And that's the sort of stuff, as I say, from the last caller that you, you'll go through in your search as you'll find you always end up at the same place where you have this strange uh, Freemasonic uh, organization, very high type, not the low kind that everyone's used to, uh, with their secret meetings and with their different branches, and even the Royal Institute of International Affairs is a branch of it, and with the, the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, basically running your world for you, and the Cecil Rhodes Society that was set along with uh, Cecil Rhodes and Lord Rothschilds, who founded it, basically, to create leaders for the world and send them all over the planet towards a particular world government that they would rule. It wasn't so it'd be a happy, nice family altogether. It literally was a planned society across the world with a deep population agenda. Uh, They would have the riches and all the minerals to survive with their own offspring for many, many thousands of years to come if they got rid of everyone else. But first they had to go across the world, get the war started, and walk in and grab all the materials they would need. And that's, of course, what they're doing at the moment in the Middle East as well. And in Iraq, is grabbing the resources. That's what it was all about, really. And you can never trust these guys. Napoleon called, used to call Britain perfidious England, meaning it would side with one country to go against another, uh, as for a balance of power game, what they did was they'd go after the more powerful country, bring them down with the help of another, and once that country that, that had helped them um, were successful, they'd then attack that country as well and bring them down. That, that meant that Britain was always a bit more powerful. Of course, eventually transferred this, uh, this um, job to the United States of America, and personally I believe the U.S. was created for this job uh, with its Novus Ordo Seclorum, its New World Order, and there's no doubt about it, I think 23 or, or more of the Founding Fathers were high-level Freemasons. They wanted a confederation of the world, and anyone who's studied any Freemasonry at all will have to conclude eventually they're talking about eugenics, 
the eugenics is all through Freemasonry when they talk about the better man and, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the inferior man and so on. Uh, they're, con- they're talking about eugenics and even meeting up with the right kind of wife, etc. They give you lots of little children's stories about what would happen if you married this kind of woman or that kind of woman, etc., etc. It's, 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 it's basically the betterment of the breed. There are many different ways of, of, of seeing the same thing. But yesterday I mentioned, for instance, Lord Birkenhead, who uh, had an article in Cosmopolitan magazine back in 1923, or 1929 it was. And Lord Birkenhead was born to the bar, basically, as you say. He, he was a hereditary peer. And you'll see a picture, if you look at the Cosmopolitan magazine uh, photograph of him, of that, that era. He was a, a member of the bar at, ni- at, at 22 years of age. And he's got his long wig on there and a nice arrogant face and all the rest of it, assured of his future, which he certainly was. He was given top positions in the British Empire to govern. But in 1929, he came out with uh, basically the predictions for the future. Now, he did not go into crystal ball gazing. He didn't go into tarot cards. He was a member of the high societies, and they knew what the future was going to be. He'd, he'd, because they had world meetings with their own class, you know. And um, he talked about the different uh, types of society they'd bring in, even right down to artificial meat, um, would be grown in laboratories for the, the public. And isn't it odd that I, I read an article oh, a month or two months ago where Holland's been given the task. They have a big organization, Holland, that's growing artificial meat. And it still isn't quite ready for the table, apparently, but they can grow it in tanks by just constantly cloning meat. Exactly what Lord Birkenhead said. Now, Birkenhead got his... His information mainly from Hal Dane, who was a high member of the society. He also knew uh, Huxley's, of course, and that's what gave him the idea for Brave New Worlds. And Hal Dane himself was a geneticist. Uh, think about it. You're talking about geneticists back in the early 1900s, before we were told they even knew what a gene was and couldn't find them. They just suspected they were there and all that nonsense. And that's what I said. They're always miles ahead it's all, almost light years, that's where they are today, light years ahead of what we are given as the latest. We're kept in the dark at the bottom level. But here's an article that ties right in with this. And it says, Artificial Meat Food for Thought by 2050. Let's well, say they've already got it because I read the article in Holland about a month ago or so. And this is from The Guardian in Britain. Leading scientists say meat grown in vats may be necessary to feed 9 billion people expected to be by middle of the century. They're really writing an article just to hype up the 9 billion. That's the real reason for it. There won't be 9 billion at all. It says food and overpopulation, and they use that as a reason for, for, as I say, giving this artificial meat. I'll try and find the one from Holland that was less political and just straightforward about they were actually growing the darn meat in Holland. Which, which they didn't have the right texture for just yet, because it doesn't have any muscle tone. But yeah, just just uh, growing it. Birkenhead said himself, he says he could probably keep growing it and keep slicing bits off it and selling it. Uh, that's how he phrased it. So that's the real world that you live in. Now, part of the, the thing, too, was to bring people down population-wise. And it's, it's quite amazing when you go into the writings of those in the know. Now, there's an odd article here that came out in Old Thinker News. And it's from Thursday, August the 19th, 2010. And it's called The Age of Treason. A 1958 book exposes chemical attack on humanity uh, by Daniel Taylor. And it goes into Dr. Swinburne Clymer. Now, I think that's maybe the same Swinburne Clymer that was the head of the Rosicrucian Society uh, and the Philosophical Society. But uh, it's interesting, here is an article that says uh, Dr. Swinburne Clymer was in many ways a man ahead of his time, most certainly controversial. He was attacked by the medical establishment for connecting diet with disease and mental health in his 1917 book called Dietetics, not Dianetics like the other ones, but Dietetics. And then it goes into what he actually said. He said in his 1958 book, Your Health and Sanity in the Age of Treason, 
He was exposing toxic food additives and fluoride with documentation, the majority of which are mainstream scientific studies today. Uh, That can be verified many times over. What makes his book unique is the fact that Dr. Clymer was one of the first to point out that statements by the elite uh, indicated that these toxins were to be deliberately released from the mental deterioration and moral debasement of the masses. So he was the first to point out it was all intentional, and he used statements that came from the elite themselves, no doubt like, like Charles Galton Darwin, who put his own book out in 1950, about the same year actually, same, same uh, decade anyway, the 1950s. The book is appropriately called Food and Liquids, used as a medium in deliberately and carefully planned methods developed by the vicious elements of humanity for the mental deterioration and moral debasement of the mass as a means towards their enslavement. That was the name of the book. He introduces readers with a stark warning for the future, writing, Imagine yourself, if you can, becoming conscious that you are gradually losing your manhood. He's talking about sterility, folks. That your mind is rapidly deteriorating, and boy, you look at the Alzheimer's today, earlier and earlier and earlier, so that you're no longer capable of thinking clearly, unable to plan your future actions. Your resistance is becoming so weakened that you're no longer master of yourself. In short, you're rapidly developing into a moron, a robot, a zombie, readily subject to the dictates of others. Bertrand Russell's 1953 book, The Impact of Science and Society, is cited by Clymer as one of the examples of the elite's desire to dominate the masses. Russell stated that under scientific tyranny, diet, and I've read this so many times on the air, diet, injections, and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce the sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable, and any serious criticism of the powers that be will become psychologically impossible. It says here, now here's where Clymer was dead on, diethyl bistral, endocrine disruption. Dr. Clymer identified the synthetic estrogen, diethyl bistral, and I've mentioned this on and on and on over the years, developed in 1938, but actually had bisphenol A in the late 1800s. It says, as a means to achieve the aims of the elite, Clymer explains that some of the toxic additives discussed in the book may not have been employed for the express purpose outlined by the elite, but they served their purpose admirably. And he goes on to say that the employment of stilbestrol by the laity with absolutely no knowledge of the dangerous agent they were employing in conditioning chickens and the meats is mass medication without license. In other words, if you want to infect the food chain, just put it in the cattle, put it in the chicken, you eat the cow, you eat the chicken, and you end up with a stilbestrol. It says it's mass medication without license with a dangerous toxic drug that may have universal disastrous results on all who eat such unadulterated foods. This is especially true as it concerns chickens, youths, young women and men, resulting as it may in their sterilization or cancer, something fervently hoped for by the enemies of mankind. Because stilbestrol is a synthetic chemical, the natural protective activity of the bodily organs are ineffective in prohibiting harmful results. Natural estrogen, on the other hand, is decomposed, and any of its possible harmful effects may be more or less made ineffective, writes Dr. Clymer. Stilbestrol was used as a treatment for various types of cancer and menopausal symptoms, but as Dr. Clymer states, Physicians versed in the use of endocrines agreed generally that stilbestrol is a dangerous drug in all except experienced hands. By the way, that's what they give to a lot of um, uh, sexual perverts who've, who've attacked people. As that, that was a regular therapy, was giving them stilbestrol. It's a Dr. E. Malcolm Stokes in an article published in the Western Journal of Surgery, Obstetrics and Gynecology, September 1948, wrote, Single large doses of natural estrogen substance are quickly excreted. Long continued repeated administration in relatively small doses, as in daily consumption of meats permeated with stilbestrol, may ident- intensify tissue response to the hormone. Dr. Clymer warns that such chemicals are to feminize men. That's the purpose of them, folks. 
He says, every vigilant human being should be concerned with several important factors involved. The methods or means by which it is impossible to change man's characteristics as easily as the animals. Man is a warrior by nature, the protector of his family and his own rights and privileges, an individual, a free man, a being who has wrought great things to, to, and who, if not interfered with, will do even greater things. This being is to be turned into a lesser female, unable, even unwilling, to defend himself, much less his family or country, becoming a slave. And that is a fact because they talked about using these weapons of artificially created uh, estrogens in, in the early 1900s. There's no doubt about that. I've got stuff in the library here at home about it, in fact. Uh, they would take away their ag- aggressivity, they said, and they wouldn't fight. They'd be unable to fight. wouldn't care. Uh, also, They also knew they would create far greater homosexuality, too, as the men would turn, or what was left of them would turn to each other. And we see that today. Dr. Clymer's concerns over stilbestrol have been vindicated over time as the chemical has been phased out of use as a growth hormone in the late 1970s due to concerns over cancer. Additionally, in 1971, the FDA advised physicians to stop prescribing stilbestrol to pregnant women due to high cancer risk. The drug is no longer being manufactured as of 1997. But by the way, isn't that amazing too? It was about the same time they started pushing in uh, the plastic bottles and water and plastic bottles until every yuppie walked around the shape like the letter T with his arm stuck out with a bottle of plastic, a plastic bottle holding the water. The soft plastic too, just exuding um, bisphenol A, which is pretty well, just as good if not better than Silvestrol. Amazing, isn't it? So, anyway, that's an article from a, an odd source, source, but he certainly was right on. It was meant for warfare purposes. I've mentioned before about the many techniques they sit in at warfare colleges talking about war. It's not just straight-out forward uh, war with the, the usual conventional weapons. It's also You also have um, financial wars. You have um, uh, chemical wars. Now it's Austro. You're also into the sort of estrogen wars as well for long term. If you take a country on long term like Afghanistan that has been known to fight for generations, then you eliminate the future generations of warriors by making sure they're effeminate if they get born at all. This is standard, standard warfare purpose and, and techniques. So don't think for a minute that they haven't used it on society in general. They certainly have. And the effects are all around you. We are dealing with ruthless criminals, ruthless, who see themselves not as criminals, they see themselves as the most advanced species on the earth, a la Darwin, basically. And they believe they have the right to rule the lessers and do as they wish with the lessers, as Darwin himself uh, proposed. Quite something. So anyway, there's artificial food coming along. Uh, Birkin, uh, Birkenhead talked about it in 1929. He talked about many other things in 1929, including eventually children that be born outside the female womb. And uh, he got it all from Haldin, who was a geneticist. They were absolutely positive this would happen. He talked about television in 1929 as well. He said eventually it will even become color television and one day it'll even be, you'll even have stereo television and stereophonic, which is coming in now. So, nothing is uh, new under the sun. It's just that the real sciences are kept from the public. We must always think we're at the cutting edge. You wait and see when the riot starts, uh, why, why they didn't show you all these weaponry that they could have given the ordinary soldier for the last century. They didn't want you to think that they, that was, they, they had this stuff. Wait till you'll see stuff that would shock you. They can knock out whole cities in an instant. But you've always, always got to think, no, no, it would take them ages. The, the guys got to go in there with the guns. No, no it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way at all. 
Now, part of it, too, was training the young into not, retali- not being retaliatory about anything. In fact, at school today, of course, you know yourselves, any child causing a fuss is to go and get special uh, lessons and so on and anger management and all that kind of stuff so that they don't, uh, so they'll, they'll fit the herd. They don't like individuals at school. Uh, individuals can become leaders and leaders become problems for them down the road. And I've mentioned before how Google, I've mentioned years ago how Google and all these different uh, servers and companies are all part of the NSA. They'd had to be from the beginning. You could not allow a private company to go its own sweet way and, and keep information from the authorities. Information is everything. So therefore, they're part of the NSA, you see, the world NSA. And it's the same with Facebook and all these little front men that come out to push a program. Uh, they are that. They are front men. They're not little stay-at-home geniuses who work in their back uh, um, yards or, or work in their garages, I should say. They work towards a particular uh, program, and they're given all the data. But they must always pour the money back into philanthropy once they uh, have achieved a certain status and been successful. That, that's one of their uh, stipulations. Always has been. This is from the Telegraph. Young will have to change their names to escape the cyber past, warns Google Eric Schmidt. The private lives of young people are now so well documented on the Internet that many will have to change their names on reaching adulthood, the Google's CEO has claimed. This is the same Google CEO, by the way, that said the future they're bringing in will have no privacy whatsoever. And mind you, in a, in a society where they've got you all on estrogen, um, no one really complains, you know. So uh, he says that they're going to change their names to escape their past lives on Facebook. He suggests that the people should be entitled to change their identity to escape their mis- misspent youth, which is now recorded in excruciating detail on social networking sites such as Facebook. I don't believe society understands what happens when everything is available, knowable and recorded by everyone all the time, Mr. Schmidt told the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he doesn't know that. He's part, he's part of the top security of the planet. <laughs> uh, it's a joke. It's a really a joke. And, and tying in, too, with the estrogen as well, that, that's, that's the reason you see that a lot of young women now are having puberty at seven or eight years of age. I put this article up, too. It says, many girls now begin puberty at age seven or eight. Rate of early onset has doubled for seven-year-old white girls, the study finds. Onset puberty is continuing to drop amongst American girls, with as many girls as young as seven and eight now showing the beginnings of breast development, uh, rising rates of childhood obesity, long linked to earlier sexual development, maybe to blame experts say no, the obesity part is a side effect of the excess estrogen. That's what it does to you when you're very young. And they know all this stuff at the top. They know all this stuff. But they always blame the public. Isn't that nice? eh? Here's an article here. ties in as well. And it's from South Florida Sun Sentinel, August 19th, 2010. And it says here, if I can scroll right all the way down to it. It's amazing this computer is working because it wasn't earlier on. It's been bugging me all day. Castration drug is given to children as autism therapy. It's for... Autism therapy. And it says here, again, it goes down, as a Maryland medical group has started treating autistic children in South Florida with shots of a drug used for chemical castration, a therapy wild, readily planned by, or panned by mainstream experts. The group gives children the cancer drug Lupron to stop their bodies from making testosterone. Well, the CEO climber was right enough saying the drug helps expel toxic mercury, because that's one of the theories that causes it, you see. Uh, but it's not, it's more, it's way above mercury. It's, it's other stuff in the shots, you see. It targets part of the brain. And quells aggressive or sexually explicit behavior by children with excessive levels of the main male hormone. How can you have excessive levels of the male hormone? You see, it's impossible to have excessive levels. There's only a normal range, you see. But that's good enough. That'll do. That'll do most folk. A Boca Raton mother who just put her 18-year-old son on the drug says it seems to help. I'm sure he's taken up knitting. But, but numerous physicians, researchers, and therapists insist there's no proof mercury causes autism. 
that Lupron removes mercury even, or that autistic children have excessive testosterone. I bet bet they don't have excessive testosterone. They're eating the same rubbish as everybody else's. What's more, the drug carries a risk of bone damage, stunted growth, and heart trouble, and can render children impotent. Well, I guess we can render everybody impotent in that case, eh? These experts, oh, I love these word experts, contend that Lupron costing about $5,000 a month, but seldom covered by insurance, is one of the many treatments that cash in on the desperation of parents trying to cope with an incurable condition for which medicine has few good answers outside of painstaking behavioral therapy. Well, you see that they're so far ahead, and always have been so far ahead with chemical warfare, they can literally target specific parts of the brain, even with viral or microbial disease that's short-lived. You will get over it, but it'll have done its damage because they're trying to lobotomize everybody's brain. I've read the articles on it. Arthur Kessler was a proponent of it. He worked at the United Nations. He wrote the book, Ghost in the Machine. And he said that they had many different... Uh, departments working on different ways to carry specific agents to particular parts of the brain that will do away with your ability for self-preservation. Those parts had to be destroyed. The state would be taking care of all the, the decision-making for the people so they wouldn't need that anymore. But he said the same thing as Charles Galton Darwin, who also suggested the same thing. And Charles said that... Um, we are the leaders of society and the world. We must remain as wild men, but that the public would have to be basically, you know, lobotomized and sterilized too. Because you see, if you're a wild man, you have your ability for self-preservation. They're trying to drive that out of us. They've been very successful. Look around you. Look around you. Revolutions and rebellions were caused in the past for much, much, much less and on less information than the public ever got than we've had today. And what's the answer of all the effeminate men today? Oh, let's let's vote another guy in to the same system that's never worked before. (laughs) Let's just vote another guy in. (laughs) That that estrogen's quite some stuff, eh? So anyway... That's what's going on in the world. It's quite something, isn't it? It makes you think. It makes you think indeed. I hope. I hope it makes you think. Now, there's another thing happening too. There's a lot of articles coming out all at once talking about the, uh, the ineffectiveness of certain drugs. It says five out of six new prescription drugs don't work, the doctor claims. And this is, it says, oh, 17th of August 2010 from Telegraph. And it says here, doctor conducted secret clinical trials prescribing hay fever tablets for neck pain and earache. Cholesterol-lowering statins were a classic example of drugs industry overselling a product as a wonder pill to prevent heart attacks and so on. Large firms hyped up patented medicines, spent vast amounts on getting doctors to prescribe them, and underplayed the serious side effects, said Professor Donald Light, a sociologist and professor of comparative health, and policy at the University of Medicine and Dentistry in New Jersey, U.S. When the toxic side effects of prescription drugs were taken into account and their misuse, he claimed they were, they were a significant cause of death. And his cholesterol-lowering statins were a classic example of the drugs industry overselling a product as a wonder pill to prevent heart attacks, despite evidence that they could do more harm than good, he claimed. In a paper that he presented to the American Sociological Association Tuesday, he said pharmaceutical companies were guilty of creating a market for lemons, one in which the seller knows much more than the buyer about the product and takes advantage of this fact. Now, there's a stack of these articles out uh, I've got here, in fact. They all come out at once. So you have a trend, as they call it, set out. And I wonder, too, if it's to fit in with this new diminished healthcare system. I always like to think the other way as well and, and be the devil's advocate sometimes. And I've read the RAND report for the U.S. government as they bring down the healthcare system on an even impoverished, more impoverished version of the British system they're going to copy. And we've, we've seen that the British system has been slashed to the bone. They don't even do cataract operations now for, for the ordinary folk or hip replacements or anything. That's all cancelled as they save money. 
And in the U.S., Rand one, they said they'd bring in more holistic medicines where you'll go back to eating different kinds of herbs and stuff and, and, and hope for the best. Lots of placebos in there, and they're expensive on their own as far as I'm concerned. But I'm just wondering if the psychological thing to start giving a class division between drugs that perhaps will work in a, an emergency and, 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 as say, just pamming off some of the, the, the herbal stuff to the, to the people who can't afford the higher medical care or the higher st- prescription drugs. There's something going on that stinks. Now, some drugs certainly, see, all drugs will, will do something. Most of them will do their best work uh, for the first week or two. Your body gets acclimatized to it and, and it stops working. So that most of these drugs are really meant for a short term. And when it comes to pain drugs and stuff like that, they're very good for initially to get over that little crisis. The problem is if your pain keeps going in a chronic condition, it isn't going to do much good. You get, your body will overcome it and get used to it. We, our bodies adapt to so much except estrogen. <laughs> I'll keep rubbing that one in for those that have forgotten already. And um, I really wonder if that's part of it too, because they're going to bring in a lot of holistic. And, it, and by the way, under holistic, anything can, goes. A, a local shaman can come in and wave his hands all over you in the hospital. Or, or I guess they don't want to have a hospital. You go, he'll come to your home and uh, give you a few, a few prayers and stuff. And maybe you'll have a placebo effect off of that. But I can see they're going to start really withholding a lot of proven, too. I'm not talking about the statins. They're not proven. They are rubbish. But proven medications that can extend life a little bit in chronic conditions. I can see them taking that out of the hands of the general public. And I think that's really part of this whole um, Obamacare nonsense that we're hearing about right now. And this is a must-be, by the way. They're going to cut us to the bone. United Nations, um, World Health Organization, and its own charter, each part, the UN gets its own charter, and they say that everyone across the whole world will be entitled to the most basic health care. Basic health care. That also means that no one will be above that country on a higher health care. I hope you understand that. But of course, for the elite themselves, because they have to rule the world on behalf of the peasants, they, they will get a more advanced health care. One thing I do know is they're way ahead of all these medications that we hear of for the elites. Obviously, they're not going to give the public the really advanced medications, which they've had for about 100 years, because they don't want to give life extension. To, they've even said it themselves, and Birkenhead said it too. You'd have overpopulation then. You'd also have a problem with very wise elderly men still working, uh, competing with the young ones. The young ones wouldn't have a chance trying to come into business or anything else. So they had already worked out that problem, not to give it to the general public. And that's what's going on right now. So there you are, as I say, there's Facebook and all the rest of it. Um, uh, knowing what would have to come before they even gave you Facebook, they know that you would, that they would get you to the stage where people would be red-faced as they go into adulthood since they put all their, their little uh, childish things onto the Facebook. They're quite happily to do so at the time, mind you. An article here called the American Culture, Climate Realism Not to be Denied Any Longer, August 19th. Uh, last week's meeting of over 700 scientists, policymakers, and concerned citizens in Chicago to discuss the science and economics of global warming at the fourth International Conference on Climate Change was a huge success as measured by the intent of its sponsors to establish once and for all that the climate, the climate realist position is increasingly the accepted conclusion among thinking people in the three categories noted above. That position is that man-made global warming is not a crisis, is not a crisis. Yes, all parties at the conference pretty much agreed that there was a good deal of warming in the 80s and in the early 90s, and that the trend stopped and reversed in the current decade. Global temperatures have been falling in recent years, even though the weather stations and other data uh, chosen to represent the official temperature records are in fact skewed to show higher and more rising temperatures than are actually occurring. The predictions of a steady horrifying increase in temperatures have proven false, 
which should have been made a great, uh, should have been a great embarrassment to the climate alarmists who made the claims and set them as a basis for their extravagant power grabs such as emissions, limits and cap and trade. Yet the embarrassment has not been forthcoming from them, uh, from those proven to be wrong because they are shameless. Uh, they mentioned that James Dellingpole, uh, a writer in, in the British newspapers, was there too, and there's a good write-up on it too. But it does go on to say that uh, yeah, a cabal, a cabal is, are the ones running this whole global warming scam. Same cabal that will profit from it. It's a, it's a cabal that want to rule the world through, oh, we'll save you because the, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Only we, the experts, can save you. And it's going to cost you everything you've got with carbon taxes and all the rest of it. But what a gall, eh? They've already got the, the bank set up for carbon credits and so on, right down to hammering you, the individual, with carbon credits as well, just for your right to life and to live right on this planet. They're going to take everything from you, every penny from you. It's disgusting, this cabal, this greedy, greedy intermarried cabal that's been running this world for so long. Disgusting. But once again, you know, that's that, that's that uh, estrogen and testosterone lack, you see, but we'll lack the testosterone anymore. And uh, all they can do is, is uh, all we can do is kind of bitch about things, you know, bitch with the estrogen about things. Bitching sessions, you see. We've been emasculated pretty well. And that's what the, guy, the guys at the top are well aware of. Now, they knew darn well, as I say, when they put all that stuff into the food supply, that you'd end up eating the food supply. Of course, that's what it's for. And you would certainly show the characteristics that were desirable in a conquered society. Look around you. Look at the obesity, too. And also, they put in so many artificial or GMO oils. They told you, don't cook with lard. You know, lard the body can cope with. We've been eating animal foods for at least thousands and thousands of years. You digest it. You burn it off. The body knows how to burn it off if it stored it. You can't with this this rubbish they're feeding you now. All the health stuff they told you was so healthy for you. All these these highly altered plants that produced the the oils, the GMO stuff. Your body can store it, doesn't know what to do with it, and then it can't break it down. Well, that's the music coming in for tonight, folks, and this hour has run through again very, very quickly. Sorry for the rushed talk. I've been pulling my hair out all day over this darn computer. From Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you.